Welcome to the Student Ministry Matters podcast. We want to encourage, equip, and connect those with a passion to impact the next generation for Jesus Christ. Student ministry can be a lonely place. You might even feel like you're the only one in your church or community that cares about students. Well, know this, you're not alone. People all across the country are engaging Gen Z and care deeply about the spiritual direction of these young men and women. Whether you're full-time, part-time, bivocational, or volunteer, if you have a heart for students, this is the place for you. Well, hey guys, welcome to the podcast. I am not Dan Carson, your host. I am Chris Vines. Uh, Dan is off this week, but uh, we are glad that you are with us. And today I have Micah and a good friend of ours, Micah's brother-in-law, Carter Mayo. Carter, say hi to everybody. Hey What's up, guys? How y'all doing? Happy to Thank be here, man. They can't say anything back, Carter. They're they're just listening right now. But <laughs> it's okay. It's all right. Hey, Carter, man, so good to have you on the podcast today, Student Ministry Matters. Um, and uh, today's podcast is uh, going to be focused on the family. See what I did there? Because there's a focus on the family, and today we're going to focus on the family. But uh, more specifically, <laughs> what we're going to do is uh, we want to talk about um, the difficulty of, of balancing what we do at the church, right, of, of discipleship and student ministry and everything that comes with being a, a student pastor or a leader in the church with uh, our roles as leaders in, in our homes. And so we know that that comes with uh, some difficulty. And so we just want to talk about that today uh, in a very transparent way. And so as we kind of jump into that, we normally do a a random question of, of the week. And uh, this random question is pretty easy. It's a softball. This is, this is where I'm going to ask, what is your favorite family vacation that you've been on so far as an adult? Carter, why don't you start us off, man? Man, I would have to say the first time I ever went to Colorado with my family, uh, I, was a, I was a young kid, but man, it was the first time I'd ever seen the mountains and, and, and smelled that mountain air, man. It was gorgeous. It just put a taste in my mouth for adventure, man. I, I, I will never forget the first time I saw the Rocky Mountains, man. It's yeah. absolutely. Now, you and your brother, a little side note here, you and your brother are uh, still a part of the, the backcountry crew, right? That's right, man. That's right. It yeah. still exists. It does. Still, it still it's exists. As flourishing as it was, but we do stuff every once in a while. Love going outside and seeing God's beautiful creation. Very cool. Very cool. These guys, man, they're awesome. Uh, they, they love the outdoors, as Carter said. And, um, man, they, they take guys with them just out into the, the, the uh, wild unknown and do some overnight trips and things like that. I've got some stories for sure of being, <laughs> being with them. But, uh, yeah, it's good. What about you, Micah? What's your favorite family vacation so far? Yeah, so it was a little uh, south of the Rockies, but my, the first time I saw the Rockies in general, I mean, it wasn't in Colorado, but we were in uh, New Mexico, kind of where some of that begins. But uh, my, my dad had uh, – somebody had given my dad a crazy opportunity to buy a, a cheap fifth wheel, and so we took our family for two weeks and went to uh, Santa Fe, New Mexico. So every building there was done in adobe. So like every, like the kind of the Mexican uh, style uh, houses and South American style houses, yeah. it was very much done in that city. So like in the city, it'd be like 80 degrees, but on the mountain, it'd be like 30 degrees. It was so cool. 
uh, it was a good high peak and it was beautiful. So we'd take that fifth wheel and we'd go down there and uh, I actually got to take my, uh, our cousins, some members of our churches with us. So there was about 14 people together that got to snow, snow ski together for the first time. And uh, the first time I saw my dad uh, topple head to toe down the mountain, kind of like uh, a domino just over and over and over and over. It was fantastic. Uh, he fell in, in to, to the glory of God, for sure. <laughs> Uh, that awesome. was my favorite because he's like, oh man, I skied in Japan because he was, a, you know, an Air Force kid. He's born in the United Kingdom. And so he's like, yeah, I skied when I was a kid. So he went to the very top where the Black Star hadn't been there in 20, 30 years. And, <laughs> and so we're riding up the ski lift and we're like, hey, what's that dude doing? Like just, I mean, face to heel, I mean, heel to face, just flopping down. I mean, it looked like a something kamikaze. <laughs> and he, we get to the bottom and he's down there and he's like, hey, did you guys see my other ski? I'm like, nope. <laughs> you right? He's like, yeah, I was so embarrassed. But that's still to this day my favorite because we spent the whole next day finding bandages and biofreeze and icy hot patches for the whole family. Oh, that's we just awesome. spent the whole day and it snow in front of the you know heated uh fireplace the amish fireplace right yeah, yeah. magic one and maybe we just spent time together it was awesome that's, that's my awesome. favorite vacation dude that's very cool what about you chris very cool well man mine is uh I, I, I let me start this off and say that i think my answer to this is going to change lord willing in the next couple of months and i'll say that i'll say why here in a minute but so far my favorite vacation mm. uh, with my family has been um we, we all piled up into a beach house uh, a couple of years back and uh, just had a great time. Uh, we, we haven't been skiing or anything like that. Don't have any, any kind of story to tell about that, but yeah, we, we piled up in a beach house and just had a good time. Now I'll say this, my one reason why it was so nice is because uh, it, we had multiple family members there. And so they were able to help out with the kids. And so we actually felt like we, we had a vacation as parents because sometimes, and we've been on vacations where we take our kids and we've That's learned cool. as, as adults that the vacation is really for the kids and it's a lot of work for the parents. And that's totally cool. That's just the stage of life that we're in. But uh, that vacation was good because mm -hmm. there's, there's grandparents and that helped. And, and also I like, I like looking at the beach from a distance so that I don't have to sit in the sand. So I would really prefer sitting like in, yes. a, in, a, in a air conditioned, yes. uh, you know, beach house with a cup of coffee with just the scenic view and a book in my hand rather than sitting down on the beach, sweating and getting sandy and all that stuff. So, um, but my boys are also getting to the age where they like to boogie board. Rachel and, that, and Amanda, we like, hope you're hearing this podcast. So, but I'm hoping that, that my, that'll change because we actually just told our boys, um, tonight that, uh, that we are going to Colorado, uh, for a family vacation in October of this year. We were, oh, we, sweet. Uh, we were originally planning on going to Disney world, but because of the fact that it's 2020 and there's really a lot going on in our world, Disney world is just not the best place for us to go right now. So, uh, we found great flight prices yeah. to Denver, and so we're going to go and kind of road trip throughout that place and uh, have a good time. So we're excited. And nice. So we like the outdoors. Yep, absolutely. Well, guys, just to get into our get into our topic tonight, 
I thought that I would just kind of start us off with, man, let's just talk about our families briefly. Um, let let our, our listeners know, you know, who we are, how many kids we've got, kind of where we are in, in that whole stage of life. And Carter, with you being our guest, man, tell us a little bit about you, you know, who, you're, who you are, your, your family, where you're serving, and, and all that good stuff. I work at a church called First Baptist Church Center Ridge. I'm the full-time student pastor there. My wife's name is Amanda. Uh, she is actually a teacher at the school, Nemo uh, Vista, which is actually, I can see the roof of the school from the front doors of the church. So uh, we work in very close proximity, and she works with uh, our, our students that also go to the church. And so um, she's got a really kind of unique perspective because she gets to see them and, and kind of their natural habitat as well as at church. And it's kind of a, a duality of opportunity for her. But uh, we have no kids at the moment. Uh, looking to see what that what God brings in the future. But at the moment, uh, we're just both serving the Lord and, and where he's placed us and uh, enjoying every last moment of it. That's awesome, man. You may have just said this. How many, how many years have you been married? Uh, almost four. Okay, cool. At Center Ridge. And you've been a youth pastor there for how long? Almost five years. Almost five years. <laughs> Sorry. It's been awesome, man. Yeah, that's very cool, man. So I'm, I've got a similar situation. I, I work, we have a Christian school at our church. Uh, and so I'm, I'm, I've got two jobs, but it's underneath the same roof. So Michael, what about you, man? Tell us about your family. Oh, man, it's funny because Carter and I have become brothers over the years. Uh, actual brothers, which is really cool because his his wife is and, and my wife are sisters. And so we are together all the time. It is crazy. <laughs> um, <laughs> it's really cool. My family, man, I, I've been married for 11 years, and uh, we're not able to kind of have kids off the get-go. Uh, during ministry, we've served in a bunch of different capacities, but we just, at one point, were de- not, I wouldn't say declared infertile, but just was going to be a tough situation. So we started praying and, and trying to find other options of this adoption because we, my wife and I always had a heart for adoption and being an advocate for people who uh, are just tough backgrounds and kids that came from tough backgrounds that, 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 that lost their parents or, and so we, we've always in student ministry adopted our kids as Carter and Chris, as you both do, you adopt kids. Like if they're in your group, you love them. They're, they become your own children in, in, in some respectful manners and, and they do. And, and so for the longest time in the, the church was a lot, that was really, those were people were our kids. The student ministries we were able to, to love were our kids. And uh, then through just some crazy, crazy stories, through losing uh, two boys through the call and then losing a boy that was actually given to us by a homeless lady allowed us to go on vacation to rest in God and rest in each other and then man a year um, nine months later we had roman and just the coolest thing ever so he's two now and uh, he is a emotional furnace and a tornado of energy and it's really awesome i love being a boy dad it is so cool like my brother is a my brother caleb is a girl dad and so he's just like yeah they're so sweet and she just sings all the time and then I'm like, Caleb, I'm literally missing hair on the back of my head because he shaved it with a razor that he somehow got that was put up inside of a safe. I don't know how he got it. I wake up in a constant state of exhaustion. <laughs> I love my family. Dude, yeah. I love my wife and son. I love our time together in this past, during COVID. 
I know a lot of people out there and listeners, I know you're struggling. We're, we pray for you. Our hearts are for you. God is for you. But man, I have loved COVID-19. I have loved it. Even though I've lost jobs and I've struggled financially, man, God has provided. But man, I have loved spending time with my son and my wife, truly. What about you, Chris, man? Tell us about your family. Yeah, man, that's cool. Uh, I love hearing your story, bro. It's uh, So my family, uh, I've been married. My, my wife is name is Sydney. Uh, I've got two boys, Carson and Elliot. We've been married now for eight years. And if Sydney's nice. listening to this, she will correct me if I'm wrong. But uh, I'm really bad. <laughs> I'm really bad at counting. Yeah, eight years we've been married, and um, we have, uh, like I said, started having kids almost immediately. Uh, wasn't necessarily <laughs> our intention, but it, it <laughs> happened that way. In fact, when we found out when we found out that Carson was on the way. Um, we were actually on our way that morning whenever she found out, uh, she took her test and all this kind of stuff. And she came and woke me up at like 4 AM and she's like, there's two lines. And I was like, what does that mean? She said, it means we're going to have a baby. I'm like, okay. And at the D you're like two lines in the DMV. Like I yeah. don't understand what's happening. We just <laughs> moved, we had just moved to seminary and had just spent like almost every dime we had to, you know, pay for the first month's rent and my tuition and um we had just got a dog because that's what you do when you don't have any money and uh then we <laughs> then we found out that uh we're having a baby and that morning we actually were driving back to arkansas to see our family and i think sydney and i said maybe three words to each other uh that whole car ride <laughs> but um anyway that started just uh i just started the, the new additions to our family and so carson is now seven and Elliot is now four. Uh, crazy stuff is that Carson has started second grade this week, and Elliot wow. um, Elliot just went into preschool. I still feel I still feel like an eighteen year old. I, I like I don't I don't understand how I have a second grader, and um, yeah, it's just crazy. But I love my family as well, and uh, thankfully, my my wife Sydney she uh, has been able to stay home with our boys up until they started school and. Um, so now she's at that point where both boys are at school during the day. She's got a little bit more freedom and um, she doesn't really know what to do with it. So we're, we're kind of at that stage right now. Um, just having a good time with it. So, Hey, let's, let's get into the topic today. Cause we're going to run out of time, but here's, here's the thought, you know, we, we, we've expressed to ourselves that, you know, like here, here's the things we've got going. I mean, we're, we're, we're each, uh, or have at least, I know Micah, you're not currently in a church, but Carter, you are. And you're, like you said, you're full-time I'm working as a, uh, essentially it's, it's a full-time position. It's, it's all underneath the same roof, but I'm working as, as a, a teacher in a Christian school and as a youth pastor in our church, uh, one of the pastors in our church. And so, you know, there's a lot going on. We're, we're all still pursuing a degree. Um, so there's that aspect of our life, but, We've also expressed very deeply how much we love our families and, and we know that we are mm -hmm. uh, therefore called and given the role of, of husband and, and also uh, father. And, um, and it's difficult at times. Uh, and I would say a lot of times it's difficult uh, balancing. If we want to use that word, I, I don't, I don't know if I, if I really like that word too much, but I don't know another one to use, but balancing, um, the, the things that we have going on at the church 
um, the discipleship efforts and uh, being in relationship with students and everything, and then doing what we're called to do within the home. And so um, I don't want to go too far into all the different ins and outs of that. I just want us to talk about the difficulty that we face because I believe that we're not alone in that. Carter, do you, do you find, do you find being a, a husband, a student pastor and, and, and other things that you have going on, do you find it difficult to kind of, to balance those things? And uh, do you ever feel like you, uh, maybe struggled doing them well. Oh yeah, especially early on when I when I first started, I had no background in ministry other than just serving in my church and serving my youth group. And so like, actually being a pastor um, really put a lot of I guess uh, pressure on me as far as like I wanted to steward the position well, and I didn't want to do anything that was contrary to scripture. I didn't want to do anything that was dishonoring to God, and so like. I felt like I went above and beyond for the church and then going above and beyond for the church meant that my family was suffering. When Amanda and I were first married and, and I still do this, like I go to every basketball game that I can possibly make because I want to support my kids and I want to be there. And I've got kids at four different schools. And so like, I mean, I'm going to four different schedules and all of these events and rehearsals and all, I mean, just whatever you want to throw at it. And so yeah. my wife, sometimes goes with me but when she gets home from school she's exhausted and so sometimes she's just like look i can't go back up to the school i, I need to go home and that's her reprieve she's she's an introverted individual so she needs to go and get away to recharge and i'm an extrovert so i need to go and be with people to recharge and so like the first two years were really difficult honestly but now we're at a place where I have, I think an open line of communication is super key for my wife to me too. When she just goes, Hey, look, I, I need you to come home. Um, I need you to be here tonight. Yeah. Like, even yeah. if we're just sitting on the couch watching a movie, like I need your presence at the house. And so like, that's a huge key for me and her just like open lines of communication of, Hey, I, I need you to, to be here. I need you to support. I need you to, to just love me this evening and, and the kids are going to be fine. Like, um, but the thing that I've always struggled with is like, I feel like you have to give up a lot of things for ministry. You have to give up a lot of, of yourself and trying to find that balance was really difficult. But I'm going to tell y'all my, my wife is, is a rock star because she selflessly lets me go and do stuff and then she's willing to suffer because of that. But then I have to know as the leader of the home, I have to know that she's doing that because she cares about the ministry. She cares about our kids and I need to tend to her as well. And I just have to be sensitive to that and know, Hey, you know, those little acts of kindness for her or something. Um, my wife loves cream soda and coffee and donuts. Those are her like love languages. That's it. I'm telling you right That's now. That's her love language. Like, <laughs> so like, if I know that, that oh, like, there's a week of me being gone or something, or like just an intense week of ministry, one of the things that I, I really like, it, it, it's just a small gesture. I'll get her uh, her favorite coffee. I'll get her a little box of donuts, and I'll and I'll bring it home, and I'll give it to her, and then. Uh, spend the evening with her and it's just it, it's just uh, maybe it's just me but just trying to remind her hey you are a valued part of my life and I want to constantly show you that uh, you are very important to me yeah yeah that's awesome. good man that's really good absolutely Preach. yeah I, I, can, <laughs> I you know you, you said so many things there that I, I think there's uh you know a lot of people relate to that you know and one thing I'm thinking about too is 
uh, we've got people who are listening who are who are in a similar position as you are uh, in a full-time uh, youth pastor role or a pastor role and uh, but we also have you know uh, guys out there who are you know bivocational and so I mean they're working they're working that 30 to 40 hour a week job on top of um, being the student pastor and and then you know and so they they've got the same kind of situation where they're 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 wanting to go to these basketball games and sporting events and uh you know band recitals and all these kind of things but they have families as well and and it's just a lot i mean so the difficulty is is real for sure micah what about you man i mean i'm, I'm obviously there's probably some similarities there but um how, how do you find it to be uh difficult in in this regard and, and not to reiterate too much what carter said but you know, as I would often try not to neglect the church, I would start it out early in our marriage, sacrificing time with my wife. As I progressed, I started snapping out of that, trying to, to, to get out of going to every ball game, into training up leaders in the church to go to the ball game for all of our students, not just my students, but yeah. their students as well. Raising up those volunteers. And I think that was a topic we mentioned recently, um, or maybe that we're going to teach on. And so I, I'm, I was, I wanted to work through probably the after five year mark for me, I was like, you know, I need to raise up leaders because my life can't have children the way it looks right now. If I wanted to have kids, regardless of, of my power or not my power of what I could and couldn't do in having kids, which y'all know is a struggle for us. My life couldn't have satisfied having Roman until now. Of course, God allowed it when he did. Of course, he brought it about when he did. And so for years, I was trying to, to separate, when I mean separate my life, you can't separate your life. Like you can't. You're a pet. If you're, if, and, and I love this statement because it was a realization. It's, so it's, there's a lot of pain, but there's a lot of realization in this statement I'm about to make because maybe I wasn't doing this. And I don't know because I haven't just talked to my wife because hearing that from her could destroy me. <laughs> but I've always told people, if you're not a pastor at home, then you're not a pastor at the church. I haven't heard that from anybody as much as it, I've, I've lived that. Like there's been times I've gone to the church, gone to the games, as, as Carter said, and man, my home life with my wife did not look good. And, and, and although it was godly looking, it looked a lot like our church members. It did not look like what Jesus looks like to me as his bride. And, and so I wasn't exemplifying what Christ should be for me as I should be for my wife. I wasn't handing that down, that torch, this beautiful gospel, this beautiful presentation, illustration of how much he loves us as his people, those who know him. And I should have passed that down to my wife. And so, man, I, I learned to pass that down. And man, I, I was just researching some of this as we were getting ready for this and, and a, st a statement came to my mind. And there's two pitfalls, right, Chris? And, and one of, both of them, we, Carter, we've, we've seen, we either sacrifice our family or we idolize them. Like there's always those two tensions. We either put too much towards the church or too much towards the family. But they're both pitfalls, and, and they spring from a common error. And this is from the, the Gospel Coalition. And guys, we'll post this in the comments. Please read this. It's something that I go to to remind myself that if I'm not a pastor at home, I'm not a pastor in the church. And so both of these problems spring from a common error. This article says that they see ministry and family as taken from one another instead of enhancing one another. 
And, and my problem was my deficiency was that, you know, Jesus gave his life for his church. So I was waiting to give my life for the church. I was waiting to die for the church. I was waiting to, to run out of energy, my heart stop and to die like the gospel Jesus did as he did for us. That's not a, <laughs> maybe not everybody's called to that. <laughs> like, let's just think for a second that we're not Jesus and that he, his death on the cross satisfies what everyone needs. For, for the covering of their sins to know Christ. And so if that's true, then let's not be so uh, abandoning uh, our families, uh, wanting to give up everything for the church, because, you know, in a lot of ways, you also exist in the community that the, the church may live in, but that people from the community, to, community that don't go to your church may not see the life of the church in the community. And so we have to live in a way that our families outside of the church invite people to the church. And, you know, again, I think those two struggles of idolizing the family too much, where we neglect those previous ministries, where on the other end, we idolize or, or, or for the church. And to balance that, I think is really simple. I think, you know, if you're pastoring your family, it will, it will complement pastoring a church. If you're pastoring a church, if you're do, being a volunteer of a student ministry, it will complement let, letting your wife and your children be student ministry led. I, I mean, again, I don't know. What, what do you think, Chris? No, I, mean, I, th- I think you're raising a lot of, a lot of good points, man. You know, um, I think within this, this question of how it's difficult to, to balance the, the work of the ministry and our roles as, as husbands and as fathers and the, the responsibility that we have at home, it's a, it's a complex issue, or at least it can be. Um, we do know, as you, as you said, you know, first Timothy three, lays it on thick about the qualifications of being a, an elder in the church, you know, that we, uh, we must manage our own household well, you know, and, um, and, and the question is if we can't manage our own household well, then how can we be expected to, to manage the, the house of God, um, the church of God. And so that's, that's a very real and sobering question that we, we have to consider and we have to, we have to obviously think through, we also know that that there's some the difficulty can lie within not necessarily ourselves, but even in the expectations of others around us. A lot of times when we come into a church as a student pastor, we're not the first student pastor and, and we're coming in underneath the authority of, of, of that church, but, but of, of the, a senior pastor who's over us. And, and there might be certain expectations of, of what our role and what our responsibility should be as, as a student pastor. And that, that can make things a little bit more difficult sometimes. You know, every church is, is a little bit different in how they, they structure things. And that's totally fine. I know I have friends who, man, they're, they're student pastors, they're full-time student pastors. And, and Carter, I don't know, you may be this way too, but they're required to, to hold, you know, uh, basically 40-hour office, you know, hours, you know, eight to five every day. And and uh and things like that others it's a it's a part-time job and and the hours are a little bit more lax there's no requirement on being in the office you know i'm i'm blessed uh and i know that i say that not lightly i'm blessed to be in a place where my pastor understands and has communicated to me uh that what we do is a is a lifestyle type job and and uh, there are many weeks where if i'm spending 40 hours in my office 
then it's likely I may not be doing my job well. But then, but then there's, there's other weeks where, where I need to spend more time in my office. And, and it just depends on what's going on in our life. But I, I, I've always appreciated his perspective on that and, and how he taught me that um, from day one, really, that it's okay to not be in the office all the way up until I maybe go to a basketball game or a football game or anything like that. But I'll say this too, because it's really important. It's always stuck with me because I think one of the, the difficulties that we have is balancing the things that we've already mentioned, all of the, all the extracurricular activities, all the extracurricular activities that our students are involved in. If we have a small youth group, that can be somewhat easy. Um, if we have larger youth groups and they're spread out across me- many different schools, that makes it more difficult as well. My pastor, he, he told me one time, and it's just always stuck with me. He said, you can teach them with your absence. That is just, I've, I've gone back to that so much because I know that whenever I know that whenever I first started out at the church that I'm at, I did not, I did not want to neglect my wife. I did not want to neglect my family. Uh, I did not want to uh, do any of that. But at the same time, there was a very real pressure within me that I created. Uh, not, not that was created for me, but that I created, like I wanted to connect with these students that I don't know yet that don't know me. I want to, I want to connect with the families and, and the best way that I can do that is to be present at all of their stuff. I felt like I needed to be at all of their stuff. And so, man, I was chasing the golf tournaments and the basketball games and, and I spent a lot more time than probably I should have going to all these different things. Was, was it good? Was it, did it build relationships with those students? Absolutely. And I'm thankful for that. But that's when my pastor told me one time, he said, you know, you can teach them with your absence as well. They need to know, they need to know that they are not your priority, but that your family is and that your family comes before them. And that was so refreshing for me to hear. Um, and I, I know that that's not a, uh, always a common thought among church staff. Uh, there, again, there's different expectations all over the place, mm-hmm. but I think it's important for us to remember that, that our students are important. Our ministries are important. We're called to those things. But if we neglect our primary roles as husband and father, uh, as leaders mm-hmm. within our home, then we can very easily, and in fact, we see it happening all over the all over the place. We forfeit our ministry at the church, and so if we forget our family at home, we forfeit the ministry at the church, and yeah. we just we can't do that. And so we we recognize, man, it's it's difficult um, to to balance these things, but we also need to recognize that in the midst of all of that difficulty, like you've alluded to, Micah, the grace of God is abounding that, yes. that that God has, if he has called us to a particular ministry and if he has called us to the role of husband and father and leader within the home, then we can trust that he's going to equip us with exactly what we need for all of those things. I believe that's not to Amen. go too, too wild with this, but that's, that's part of what it means. I believe to be in Christ and for Christ to be in us, to know that that his fruit, right, love, joy, peace, patience, kindness, goodness, gentleness, self-control, all of these things, they're not ours naturally. They are, they are his. 
And, and because we are in him and he is in us, then when we abide in him, as John 15 says, then his fruit will naturally be produced. And that's the kind of fruit, that's the kind of ministry that is worth something because it's, it's what glorifies God. It's what ultimately glorifies God. And so there's a way for us to do ministry and there's a way for us to lead our families and work within our families that may seem profitable and may seem to be good. But if we're doing it apart from the spirit of Christ, then it's actually worthless. But if, if, if we're trusting in Christ, if we're abiding in the vine, if we're abiding in him, then then I believe that leads to fruitful ministry in the home and in our churches. And God is glorified in that. So, yeah, I mean, that, that's, again, a lot could be said, but that's, that's where I find encouragement. That's, that's where I, again, in the midst of the difficulty, that's where we have to run to. We have to run back to the gospel. Uh, we have to trust in, in the fact that Christ is everything that we need and, and that he is our, our answer. Uh, and that he's enough. So, yeah. Amen, brother. So, hey, I think we could go on and on. Uh, I know I certainly could. I've gone on and on enough. But, man, just some some final thoughts. You know, what about you guys? Uh, just to kind of wrap up our time on this. Carter, I'd love to hear from you one more time, man. Something that just comes to my mind is, um, you know, we kind of mentioned it uh, at the beginning a little bit was the aspect of, um, the, the discipleship of your family and how like you are pouring into your family. And Micah talked about how if you're not being a pastor at home, you can't be a pastor over your, your flock. It's something that my wife and I, uh, I regret. And it's, it's interesting. I regret not doing it when we were actually dating mm-hmm. and setting up the precedent then because it would have made life so much easier now as, as I'm married and, and a full-time pastor. But doing Bible study with my wife, yes. man, I'm telling you, like sitting down in the evenings after after our day and going through a book together and sharing our thoughts, sharing what God's doing through our prayer and through like and praying together. I'm telling you, one of the most intimate things between me and my wife is when we pray together. And like I pray and then she prays. I get to hear her heart. I get to hear where she's at. Like her taking her petitions before the Lord. Um, that unites us more than probably anything. Um, I love that. But something that I fail in and I've seen myself fail in this is specifically setting aside time for my wife that is a guaranteed untouchable time for her. So if that's a, if that's a three day vacation or if that's, Hey, we're going to go do this for a little while, or if that's, Hey, you know, once a month, I'm going to have a day. Like that is something that we started probably two months ago. And I'm like, man, I wish I'd have done this forever ago. But like Hmm. having that time set aside, it it not only goes, okay, it's, it's making her the priority, right? Making my family the priority. And then like you said, Chris, the absence, like, my students do need to see that I'm taking my wife and I'm going off for two days and I'm going to go be with my wife. Um, we've sacrificed every anniversary that we've ever had for an event that goes on during the time that we got married for our students. And like, they need to see that my wife is more important. And I, I appreciate you bringing that up because that's a huge, that's a huge deal. I mean, I, I really do think it is. Yeah. Hey man, man. Good stuff, know, man. It is. You, you know, you're, you're so right. I mean, we have to, we, we know that, that we have students that have, uh, have good families intact, but then we also have students that, that don't have good families intact. They come from broken homes and they need to see a, a good model 
of a husband mm-hmm. loving his wife and, and vice versa. So that's, yeah, that's so good, man. Michael, what do you think, man? Any final thoughts? I mean, we're all around the topic. If you're not a pastor at home, you're not a pastor at the church. You know, if you're not a discipler at home, you're not a discipler at the church. I, I, I hate this statement. Those that can't do teach. <laughs> I think Christianity, Christianity exists to disprove that. And I think if pastors are not pastoring and discipling and loving their families first, it's really what we're talking about is the priority of the gospel. I think everything of the gospel is contingent on the pastor's spiritual health, whether he is putting his priority in his family. Mm -hmm. Because, hey, listen, I'm a pastor's kid. My dad did a phenomenal job of getting us away. Did he do it right at the get-go? No, because he was working five jobs at the time to be able to provide for us. And I respect that. And I was patient. But when the time came when they brought him full time at Heritage Baptist Church in some small city in Gravit, Arkansas, when they brought him full time, we went on vacation. And the very question we asked today in this podcast, our favorite family vacation was the very vacation that I took was the first vacation that we took together as a family away from people. If you have to if you have to, to quit your vacation to go back because somebody passed away, I think the real question is maybe you should be discipling some leaders in your church and let go of some ministry so that you are able to get away with your wife, your wife and your family. That is the priority because you're listening to one of the pastor's kids. My son will be a pastor's kid. Carter's kids will be pastor's kids. Chris, your kids are pastor's kids. You're hearing from a pastor's kid. I adore John Powell. He was my discipler because he pastored his family and his church. He never brought us home because somebody passed away or because because we had a church that wasn't a little church. It was a larger church, you know, in the 200 plus. And my dad favored us enough, loved us enough, and saw that we needed a vacation and break from life just like he did to be able to enjoy each other. And it helped my walk with Christ knowing that he loved the church and me enough to be able to spend a week or two weeks with me knowing that somebody could pass away, knowing all the things that were he's leaving to be able to help make my life reminded of who Jesus was, what it is to rest in him, what it is to know him. And just that vacation, did we study the Bible every night at a campfire singing Kumbaya? No, but I tell you, I got the same spiritual experience that I would from church camp and greater so from that vacation than any church camp that's ever been done because I rested knowing my father loved me just as much, if not more than the people at his church, because he was teaching me the Bible by letting me have rest and who he was as my daddy. Yeah. And because it showed me also who God is as his dad and as my dad, mm-hmm. that he wants us to rest in him. Our vacation should be a time of spiritual reflection. And I could go on and on and on Chris, but I want to stop there and just say that vacation is special because we didn't just drop everything and have to go back to quit our vacation every single time. If you're making your pastor quit his vacation to come back to do something, we need to look at why we're doing what we're doing in church. Mm-hmm. And we need to raise up leaders so that when we're not available, we can have rest. The pastor has to come back from his vacation and he doesn't get the very thing he left for. Mm-hmm. We need to give our pastors rest. We need to give our student pastors rest. We need to allow them a time where they can have spiritual nourishment, 
and, and that they can rest in the Lord Jesus because, hey, listen, we're trying to pastor our families. We're taking our families away, not from church because we're still the church, right? But just to be able to have that spiritual retreat where we can love on our children away from all the distraction and the noise because they're little humans and we're trying to grow them in Christ. And we want them to know that they are special to us. Roman, if you ever listen to this in the future, you are special to me. You are more special to me than any person that I've ever met. And Carter will say that about his kids. And Chris, you say that about your kids. They're special. Don't sacrifice your church. Don't sacrifice your family for your church. They work together. Don't, don't, don't try to worship one or the other. That's what I would say. Well, guys, this has been a great discussion. Um, I, I, think, I think we can uh, certainly say that, that we need to have a part two to this um, and keep it going. We may have done part one and part two all, all together right now. I don't know. We've been talking for a while, but, but, you know, here, here's just a final thought that I think, um, I think would sum up a lot of what we've said. We, we read and, and even thought and, and have been uh, just shown that discipleship within the church doesn't happen by accident. We have to be intentional. We have to be intentional about making disciples, uh, which is what we're called to do, but it doesn't happen by accident. We don't just wake up one day and oops, I made a disciple or anything like that. But in the same way, we don't accidentally uh, lead our families. We don't accidentally disciple our kids. So everything I think we've said today can come back to the fact that, that we uh, need to be intentional at home uh, with with Amen. those who God has given to us, whether that be our wife and her only, or our wife and uh, our kids, whether they be biological or foster kids or adopted kids, yes. whoever whoever is Amen. in our household who the, who God has blessed us with, we have been called to be intentional about uh, about that task, about that role that we've been given. I'm gonna say something. That our pastor, my pastor, said a couple of weeks ago in a sermon, uh, because I, I know we're talking primarily right now to uh, to men. Even though I know there's some ladies listening, and I'm thankful that you are listening, ladies. But to our to our men out there, to our pastors out there, uh, to our our family leaders out there, men, be men. Amen. Be men in your home, and be men in your church, and uh, and I believe that 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 glorifies God. All right. So, guys, Amen. thanks so much for, for being with us tonight. Uh, thanks for listening in. We would love to hear from you. I cannot remember what the email address is right now off the top of my head, but uh, I'm sure we will <laughs> put it in the show notes. And so we would love to hear from you. If you have a question for us um, or anything like that, we don't have all the answers. But, man, we love, we love to talk, obviously. And so we would also love to maybe help find that answer for you. Um, we love our churches and we love our families. And we love student ministry because we really believe that it matters. Thanks for listening to the Student Ministry Matters podcast. Get connected at studentministrymatters.com or follow us on Facebook and Instagram at Student Ministry Matters. Until next time, keep up the great work with your students because the work matters.